Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the Nullcast. Bud, I'm excited to do every Nullcast. Uh, this has been a, another, but a, a great fun 10, 11 years. But it's great to do a fairly big-time game, at least a big-time program that you're playing against, and have a lot of uh, excitement to look into it, kind of jump you know, headfirst into it. I know we both spent a decent amount of time last 48 hours or so reviewing everything that we could on Clemson and uh, this is going to be a real fun preview. So uh, not positive that Florida State's going to win this game, but I uh, think they're going to go up and provide uh, us as far as fans with a level of entertainment from a very legitimate matchup, the likes of which we haven't seen probably uh, borderline half a decade or so. So we'll get into the uh, preview podcast in just a second. Before we do, we'll always thank our friends in New Iberia, Louisiana, Louisiana hot sauce, three simple ingredients, one fantastic product. And the good people at Tarpon Cellars Wine, uh, tarponcellars.com, back, <laughs> no backslash, tarponcellars.com, coupon code NOLCAST, 20% off on uh, some of the better red wines that are out and available on the market. But let's jump headfirst into a Clemson preview. Dude, let, let's do it. You know, one of the things that I think we really made our mark, our mark on the NOLCAST uh, was given game breakdowns that you really just didn't see elsewhere uh and in recent years we've still tried to do that but a lot of times it's just like it doesn't really matter they don't have the personnel this is like they could try all this stuff it's it it might be cute for a little bit it's just not going to matter um now if fsu had continued playing like it did in the first four weeks of the year we were probably still gonna be in that same boat if clemson was not running into issues uh again clemson uh would probably be in that same boat, but Clemson does continue to have, I think, enough issues to where this is a winnable game. It doesn't mean I'm going to pick them. We will see uh, towards the end of the show here. Uh, and FSU has shown, I think, some real improvement in spots, like we discussed on the uh, the Monday night episode. So, where do you want to start here? But first, I, I want to I want to point to something. And I'm watching the the, the Pitt game, and, and, and Pitt beats Clemson. What is it, 27-17? I think it was. Pitt is able to run the ball quite well on them in that fourth quarter after not having much success running the ball th- through the first couple quarters. And, you know, I was a student in Tallahassee from 03 to 06. And I saw some really damn good defenses coached by a legendary defense coordinator, Mickey Andrews, who still had a whole lot of NFL talent. And they would play their butts off for most of the game. And then when they realized that their offense was just absolutely going to give them nothing, they would get frustrated and start to get a little bit undisciplined. And I saw that a little bit towards the end of that, that Pitt game, I think, right? Now, they still got some stops, but but all of a sudden, Pitt was able to pop runs yeah, on those guys. I've seen eight, nine, 12 yard runs. One play, they actually had a tackle in the, in the backfield, don't wrap up. Uh, my second to last note from the pit game is about elements of elements of the run gaming emerging in the fourth quarter and how much of this is a defense whose uh, full buy-in may be waning to an extent. Now, I'm not suggesting people are going to quit, but like you said, when you've done nothing but stop people all game and you're playing with a quarterback who's going and giving the ball away and other quarterbacks who aren't progressing the ball down the field at all, uh, it can become a very real challenge and a challenge that even the best of defenses sometimes find themselves not enamored with. So uh, glad that we got you back in here, bud. And um, yeah, let's, why don't we start the conversation when Florida state has the ball and uh, keep it focused on this Clemson defense and what they do and some of the philosophies that they've incorporated and kind of some of the, the in vogue uh, theories and formations that they brought out there. They're kind of running a little bit of the Iowa state defense that's become so popular over the last uh, 24 months or so. Yeah. So uh, in 2018, Clemson was still running a lot of that four down stuff that they were so good at running with Britt Venables. I think that's what Venables actually prefers to run. Um, It's what he ran when he was at Oklahoma and prior to that at Kansas state and 2018, they had just a a stud defensive line Uh, this year. You know, following 2018, they lost those guys to the NFL. That was probably the last, like the last really great defensive line we saw in college football up until this year's Georgia team. Then they go to Iowa State and they say, "Hey, how, how do you run this three two six stuff? We see everybody running. We're not going to have the personnel to run some of this four down stuff for maybe a year or two due to some recruiting misses." Blah 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 blah. And it's nice, it's nice to know how to run this stuff. And Venables is such a damn good coach, man, that he they were able to install 
similar as- aspects of that and ran it for the last two years. This year, uh, they got Brian Brzee in there, you know, one of the top defense line in the country. They have Davis. They they have, um, oh shoot, the, the kid with the, the funky name. Xavier Thomas bounced back from COVID and has been playing well. They have Miles Murphy. Well, Brzee goes down with an injury. They've been playing a little bit more three-down stuff uh, of late, which I, I think is relevant to note. But they're still an elite-level defense, right? I think their corners are pretty good. They still have a lot of difference makers up front. They're very disciplined for the most part, up until maybe like when they just get totally, absolutely frustrated with the offense and start jumping out of gaps a little bit. They are uh, by far the best defense that FSU has played this year. I mean, by by far the best defense that FSU has played. They are the number three defense in the entire nation in SP+. Uh, they also play extremely well at home. This team has not lost at home in what, four years, five years? It's It's some crazy win streak they have going on there. And I would expect this defense to play uh, to play very well. Uh, they are an interesting bunch as far as what they do. Uh, even if Venables is not doing some of the sign-stealing stuff that we know they've been accused of in the media. And that will be interesting to see how FSU handles that, right? Do you go no, more no huddle or do you go more kind of sugar huddle like Ohio State did to them last year in the Sugar Bowl where you kind of you're not going up tempo, but you're you're not really letting Clemson sub quite as much, and, and you're not really showing your formation until the last second, so they, they really can't get that substitution uh, of call in. Uh, but they are still doing a lot of things that I would say, whether you're on a four-down front or a three-down front, are hallmarks of the Brent Venables defense. So a couple of those things. Number one, they will still pressure you uh, quite a lot, both to the front four or you know a non-blitz situation, but they will still bring pressures. They will still play... Uh, what some people would call unsound. And that's not a negative term. It's just they are willing to gamble that you do not have the quarterback play at the college level, for the most part, to pick them apart if they if they run some of these blitzes where guys in theory should be open. And they will play zone coverage behind it. And they say, okay, guess what? Uh, can you find the open guy fast enough? There'll probably be somebody open. Occasionally, you face a quarterback that can. Justin Fields very much fit that. Joe Burrow definitely fit that. Jordan Travis. Guys, does not fit that, right? So if you're blitzing and you're playing zone behind it, you're going to have a lot of eyes on Jordan. And is he able to find the open man diagnosed quickly and get rid of the ball accurately uh, to a receiver for the Knowles who has also, you know, ID that the blitz is there and then found the vacated area? I'm not saying that that he can never do that, but I think you would agree with me. That is probably not uh, a strength right now of this offense. Uh, the other part that they do that is very consistent is a lot of movement, a lot of stemming, and they will do a, a lot of games and twists up front. They will bring blitzes from all over the place. And if you are not um, a cohesive, like sound unit with your protections, and that's offense flying and backs and tight ends and whatnot, if you turn people loose, Clemson finds that leak and all of a sudden turns it into a flood. That's something they've done for like the last, I don't know, however long Venables has been there. And that shows up absolutely this year in all their games as well. Uh, they, they did it to Georgia. They did it to pretty much you know, everybody who they've played. Now, they're down a couple guys, I will say. So I don't want that to sound super depressing right out the gate here. Maybe we should have saved this part for the second half. Tyler Davis is back for them. So that's somebody who came back a little bit, little bit earlier from injury than they were anticipating. But, but he played some good snaps against Pitt. They've got a lot of guys. And FSU, obviously, with Gibbons and Devontae Taylor banged up, who knows if those guys are going to go. Uh, you know, a little skeptical about Gibbons going, obviously. That's that could be problematic here. And so I'm very curious as to how Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham are going to attempt to score points. It's a great question. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it'll be interesting on some of these plays. Really, can you limit when you try to scheme some of this stuff up and you don't you know, when they throw scissors, you don't throw a rock. Uh, when you don't just find something perfect, if it's not there, can Jordan, if it's not there, fine. The problem, the habit that Jordan finds himself is when it's not there, he doesn't then put it in the third row or something like that. You can't hold the ball against this defensive line waiting for something to develop if you as a quarterback aren't great at, you know, going through reads and, and finding what the defense is going to give you. So, uh, like I said, when when you don't just hit it right, like uh, the screen that UMass hit, and when you ran a blitz into it, if you don't stumble into something like that, and it's not there, 
Uh, can Jordan either make a safe decision or just get rid of the ball, eat the you know eat the down and move on to it? I, I do think they can score. Like I don't think they're going to go up there and get shut out, right? I think they will score some points. How many points that that they get though? I think Kenny will do a good job of using a lot of different formations. You know, multiple backs, multiple tight ends, wings, and, and figuring out. Okay, maybe maybe Clemson can get out leveraged here or there, right? Maybe formationally, Clemson has a tendency to blitz this formation or blitz that formation, and and perhaps you can use that knowledge to your advantage. Uh, there will be some opportunities in this game to hit explosive plays. Clemson, that's a trade off for what they do. Like they are trying to get tackles for loss every single year. That's no real difference this year. This year they are. Uh, they're actually 56th in defensive havoc rate. That's because their defensive backs have actually not been playing the ball quite as well as they have in prior years. However, their defensive line is 8th in havoc rate, so that is pretty consistent with what we've seen in prior years. I do think you can work your screen game a little bit if you can have success in anything else first. Obviously, you're not going to be able to just come out and have some kind of sustained offense based off that. They're still super aggressive, like we're talking about here. Uh, that's something that you can hit on. I do think that you can run the ball. Now, what we just talked about, maybe the biggest theme of the game. I mean, DLT, we'll see. Gibbons, I share your skepticism. As we sit here Wednesday night, I am leaning towards thinking that Gibbons won't play. For full disclosure, I've thought that in two weeks previously this season, and Gibbons was in the starting lineup. So we'll see what happens in the next uh, you know, 72 hours or whatever it may be. But uh, if I knew Gibbons was healthy, I would be really pretty fairly confident that in time you could get some kind of run game going. Um, Clemson's defense was really stingy in the pit game, where they did the only time they really gave it to him without making them earn it is that fourth down play where Pickett found him, and then uh, you saw the defense kind of, I don't want to say fall apart, but begin to show cracks that had otherwise not been there. So, uh, yeah, I think you're – your theory here is to try to have a success where you can grab it and get into the five minutes left in the third quarter and have it be a 13 to 10 game or something like that. I mean, find yourself in a position where you can have a little bit of a crowd, uh, get a little uncomfortable with the frustrations uh, and a defense that has played uh, its heart out and maybe starts to show some cracks that it hadn't otherwise. I don't, you know, I don't know that you're going to, other than, just guessing or, or getting lucky on something, have a whole lot of success with this defense until, you know, you start to get to a second layer or there starts to be a little bit more developed in the game. So the path to winning this game, right? I mean, the, the over-under on this game is 46. I, I bet the over. But, like, w- what does a winning score for the Knolls look like? In my mind, it's probably, like, 21-17. You know what I'm saying? Like, do you, re- what, what is more likely that you win in a game where you need to go out and get 28 or 30, or that Clemson's offense doesn't find answers, that your defensive line eats, and that somehow your secondary doesn't give up a lot of stuff? And where I'm going with this is I agree with you on the idea that, hey, you're going to have to try to find some stuff and, and try to find some explosives against a Clemson defense that is 13th in the country at defending explosive runs. Now, that is a really important stat because think who they've played, right? They've played Georgia's defensive defensive group. They've played Jameer Gibbs and Jeff Sims at Georgia Tech, and that team does hit explosive runs. They've played NC State, which doesn't really hit a lot of explosive runs, so forget that I said that one. Uh, Pitt does not hit a lot of explosive runs. They've played somebody else who does, though, and now, now I'm blanking. Syracuse got to back. Right, so Syracuse definitely hits explosive runs. So, so far, they've played several teams that I would say are run-wise, about equally as explosive as Florida State. Um, And they have not, for the most part, given up the big runs. That's a fairly big deal, right? Now, that doesn't mean you can't pop some. You run a little bit different offense than all those teams do. Yes, Garrett Trader is a running quarterback, and and Sims runs the the ball as a quarterback. JT Daniels for Georgia certainly does not. Uh, And Georgia also had some offensive linemen out in that game, and they were very new to all these new receivers because they kept getting all these guys hurt in camp. I think you can pop a big run or two on these guys. The question is going to be like, do you pop it all the way into the end zone? Uh, merely getting into the red zone here is not going to be enough, most likely. Uh, Clemson is the number three uh, red zone defense in the country in terms of expected points. So 
again, they're they're pretty damn good there on defense. Uh, one thing they have given up this year, surprisingly, is the uh, kind of the one-on-one ball down the field, which is interesting uh, and to me would be a more encouraging sign if you had guys that you felt would win one-on-one balls down the field. Uh, that's not to say if you can't win any of those one-on-one balls down the field, but who's the guy right now who you're most confident in, in winning one of those? Um, it might be a freshman just because of, of ability. It might be Malik McClain. Now, that's not necessarily a guarantee. But man, if you can give me if you can give me like two good drives in this game, right, where like they're somewhat sustained, maybe you get a touchdown and a field goal out of that, and you find a way to have two other explosive type drives to where maybe you're coming away with you know, 20 or 24 or hell, maybe 27, 28 points. I don't think that's super likely the upper range there, but I'm not going to this game thinking you need points on every drive. If you do, you're not going to win. If, if the over hits, I think there's a 85 to 90% chance. Yes, to 100%. This game. Well, yeah, not 100%, but don't you're right. see it being there. I think last week when we said this, I thought it would have to be like a 24-21, something like that. I mean, that's right where I am. If you win this game, you win it by by three points and the total score to somewhere in the area in the mid-40s or something like that. We will have to see how well FSU can trick them with the run game. I am not super confident that you can win uh physically win up front against these guys, right? Yeah. Well, and I don't know that you can really do... Um, I mean, uh, is this overstating it? Yes, to an extent. But I don't know how much you can really pull and what, what, how much of your counter game will work either if you if you don't have Givens involved. I mean, you can still have success with it. It's just going to be a lot more uh, difficult. Also, with this, what they do, they bring a lot of pressure and they're creative in ways that they can do it. This is not the defense that I would want to have yet another new group of five people working together for the first time and, uh, you know, working on some of your responsibilities, pass off responsibilities and some of the more uh, intricate details of uh, an offense alignments preparation. So I think that's fair. I I will note one more thing here. Um, And that is, I, I think that having a quarterback as mobile as Jordan, it is a new challenge for this Clemson defense. And, one thing that normally is not a good play, right? Like we know, and there are people who just live bet the heck out of this, especially in NFL games, coaches who have a tendency to run the ball in second and 10. That is almost always a play that reduces your win likelihood, right? It's like, oh, we had an incomplete pass on first mm-hmm. down, better run it on second down. Normally, that's not a good thing. Here, I actually don't think that's the worst thing in the world. Uh, because we know Mike is a pretty smart coach when it comes to analytics. He's not Lane Kiffin as far as maximizing win probability, but he's he's certainly like in that top third of coaches who give their team an opportunity to win, and of course also give their team an opportunity to get blown out. Like we, we've discussed, how if you're playing to win, you also increase the chance of, of losing by you know more, uh, but you reduce the chance of losing close, which is still a loss. Uh, although for reputation. I think you can argue that maybe playing those guys uh, close is is worth something, but I think you go for the damn win. Now, what I'm that's a long way of saying if you're at midfield or if you're in in sort of that yellow zone, if you get second and ten, I don't know that getting you back to third and seven with a, a Jordan run is the worst thing in the world. It is very important that you don't give Clemson short fields in this game. Telling Jordan to chuck the ball into the stands is kind of fine, I think, because Clemson has not been a team, and we'll get to this in a second, that has shown they can be consistent offensively. And they are a team that I think is uh, emotionally right now, I, we got to see how fragile they are, right? Not that FSU's not. I mean, we'll, we'll see if FSU gets punched in the mouth, how well it responds. But if Clemson gets short fields, I think their chance of winning this game goes way up, even beyond what just the math tells you that getting short fields would give you. Uh, can you pop a couple runs? Can you hit some passes off play action with some neat concepts? That is one thing that, that Mike and Kenny do a really good job of dating back to their time, even at Arizona State. They do find a way to create guys who are WTFO, man. And this is not a consistent passing team. But they do get a couple of those a game typically where it's just like, wow, 
That guy is wide the hell open either formationally or looks or tempo or you know, whatever they do, route combos, play action. They're just not going to get that many of them, I don't think, right? And that's the key. You have to hit them. And I think you got to try to go for those early because if, if, if Clemson gets a couple three, you know, just, just if you know, if they know you can't run on them early, I don't know. I, I think you need to get a lead in this game. I, I think for your own emotions, that's, that's fairly important. I agree. I agree. Can you mention this in the close of the last podcast? Can you find last year's script? Can you find something where you come out and you get three first downs? And, uh, you know, this isn't a podcast that's uh, real wild about the idea of kicking a whole lot of field goals to win, but uh, th- getting three points on the first drive and pointing that, uh, kind of planting that seed of doubt in the fans more than even the, the players themselves, but just, uh, it would be, you know, look, this could be a long football game. Uh, I don't know that it's going to be a real high scoring game. So I'm not trying to make too much out of the first drive or the first two drives, but early success here would, uh, would certainly go an awful long way. And, uh, you know, kind of putting the ball back in the other, the other team's court and seeing how they deal with that a little bit. So you mentioned a second ago about things that would be a great play. We're ever so fortunate to have something in our lives for two or three years now that has been a great play. It's been an exceptional play. Uh, you know, the only downside is I think I'm getting a little bit of tarpal tunnel, uh, tarpal tunnel, Tarpal Tunnel? Thank you, sir. Thank you. Tarpal Tunnel, right there. Bad, bad in this spot. From uh, some of the packages and, and notes that we've been sending out, but uh, ever so fortunate to work with the great people, Chad and Shannon, as you have twice now, and uh, nothing but continued exceptional feedback from our listeners. Dude, just absolutely great combination there. Best rates for, for homeowners. Awesome refi experience for me. Knowledge of the market. Knowledge of the industry, customer service, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN. Give them a shout. We got to be at like, what, 225 now, I would think? And this is the, these, this is a never-ending stream. This is great. Round in the corner. <laughs> yeah, we're, uh, it's nuts. It's great, too. I mean, a guy who DM'd us, I think, 10 days ago, got uh, moved into a house already. And Shannon is a... Uh, Shannon is a, is a five-star back when it comes to uh, hitting the hole, getting you the opportunity, and and wrapping things up quickly. So Dalvin Cook-esque is that Shannon Young. He gets more than what's blocked for yeah, him, for sure. he does. He sure does. So um, anything else we want to talk about on this side of the ball before we move over? I mean, I'll just say that they're the standard. I would go a lot of Max Pro. Yeah. On play yeah, action. Go Max Pro. I mean, just given Jordan's skills, given given the offensive line issues we think you're probably going to have, I would go a lot of Max Pro. Um, 47 and That eight. is something we saw Ohio State do last yeah. year. 47 and 12 yep. love to stand you up and try to strip the ball. Yeah, I mean, this is it's what Clemson does, but uh, got to be careful about that. Yeah, just uh, it's going to be fascinating. Can you take advantage of their backers and safeties in pass coverage? If there's a weakness on this defense, that's where I think it is. How do you take advantage of that? Do you get them caught up with, with, with some of these deep crossers, right? Is that via play action? Is it making them so aware of Jordan's legs that you're able to, you're able to sneak some leaks behind them? That, that's something you really have to find a way to do. Um, that'll be that'll be Kenny's job, and then you got to protect it long enough to actually allow it to develop, which is obviously the challenge for Alex Atkins and Chris Thompson and the protection game. And uh, really, uh, it'd be fascinating to see what you can do with Cam McDonald, particularly in the screen game here. I think if you do have success. Maybe find success somewhere otherwise in the first four or five minutes, and then try to really aggressively incorporate your screen game. And uh, some of the some of the things that they've shown previously, as far as a, how they've worked with Cam, uh, I think you could see some very similar uh, philosophies on on what they try to incorporate there. So. I I would agree with that. Let's go ahead and talk FSU's defense against Clemson's offense because I this is something to me that is extremely interesting. Man, I I have watched a lot. A lot more of Clemson's offense than I did of Clemson's defense, because Clemson's defense, I, I you know, I saw about eighty snaps. Like, okay, yep. I, like in addition to what I've seen them play live this year. All right, this is uh, it's about what I thought. You know, getting Davis back is big there in the middle. They got some impact guys on Clemson's offense, man. Um, I mean, you're seeing some people who I trust rip them, and you're seeing some people who I don't trust rip them, and. You know, you're seeing some NFL people come out there and say, like, this is not like a not a sound scheme. You're seeing some people say it's an outdated scheme, blah, 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 blah. Uh, I think that they have, it could be a little bit stale, potentially, but I also think that there are 
some personnel issues. And I also want to point out this is not a terrible offense for a couple things here. Like, it's not a good offense this year. It's also not quite as bad as you'll hear in some of the national media, right? So SP Plus ranks this 35th on offense, which seems crazy. But if you look at the quality of defenses faced, I actually think they've faced the toughest schedule of defenses in the entire country so far. All right, so they get Georgia. Okay, not a lot of teams have had to play Georgia, and they didn't score any touchdowns against Georgia. NC State has a top 15 defense. Boston College's defense is probably the worst FBS defense they've played so far. And BC is what, like 60th, I think? Uh, Syracuse has a very strong defense this year. Georgia Tech's defense isn't bad. And then they go and they play Pitt. And Pitt's defense is you know, obviously really damn good as well. So if you're struggling on offense, this schedule of defenses faced by Clemson so far is really not the recipe to get right, okay? Everybody you play, for the most part, has the ability to shut you down or at the very least cause you problems. That's why if you look at some of the non-opponent-adjusted stuff, Clemson's defense or Clemson's offense is like 110th in the country. If you look at the opponent-adjusted stuff, they're 35th. Or I, I saw another, another metric out there had them 45th. But in any case, that's a pretty big gap. And in my opinion, the, the explanation there is the quality of defense faced so far for this Clemson offense. And yet there are some other things that I think this offense might look bad against air with. So it, I think there's two things to discuss here. First, they are not quite as bad as their surface level numbers show. Just think about the quality of defenses they've faced. Basically, everybody who played Georgia so far is dropping in the offensive rankings like crazy. Arkansas is out there scoring 30 or 40 or 50 each week, and then they play Georgia, and they score like zero. Not too many people have a uh, defensive tackle as a Heisman Trophy candidate. So And yeah. two other defensive linemen who some people think are better. Oh, they're it's the, yeah, like yeah. The other kids, Carter it, might be a, a higher pick, and Wyatt is, you know, very something very, else. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then they have Anderson and the Kobe Dean and Nolan Smith and uh, the other backer who would be FSU's back, best backer by a mile, and I, I can't even remember the kid's name. All right, so a couple things. I think they have like a glut at the receiver position. It's like a Xerox problem. They got too many creative players. They're all like six three. They all look the same. Yeah, they're all they're all the video game wide receivers. Uh, now go back to listen to Barton and Bud, which is the podcast I did for about five months last year before Barton got hired as the GM for Vanderbilt. We were watching this, and we were pointing out how Clemson was really struggling offensively until they got Amari Rogers back the son of T. Martin, you know, the, their slot receiver that they had, and he was coming off the ACL and he came back in like nine months. We saw this problem last year with Clemson when they didn't have their slot. And when he came back healthy, all of a sudden they were really, really good again, offensively. They don't really have a tight end who they trust. I mean, the last tight end that you really had to fear for Clemson uh, receiving-wise was who? Probably the Jordan Leggett kid, and that was back in, what, 2015, I guess? Maybe? Davis Allen's caught 15 balls for 101 yards this year for them. Um, Justin Ross has come back. He is kind of a freaky player, uh, but they throw to him a ton, man. He has more targets, I think, than any, any other two receivers combined. And as such, teams are rightfully, I think, bracketing him. They've also had a bunch of receiver problems this year with injuries. So they don't really have a good slot body who can win on some of, the, some of those easy choice routes over the middle, right? They don't really have a tight end who they trust all that much. Although, certainly with FSU safeties and linebackers, this could be put to the test this weekend. I'm not going to discount that. Uh, and then Nagata has missed time. Um, Ladson is, what, out for the year. Bo Collins is another guy who is just not really much of a threat like in the short, short quickness area. Clemson has more guys who I would define as striders right now on the outside. And as such, they, they I think that makes them more prone to, in theory, being able to convert like a third and 20 by throwing the ball up. But they don't stay on schedule super well with the pass game. And they don't hit a lot of guys in stride, so far at least. Now, part of that, of course, is, as I said, the, the quality of defenses faced. 
Uh, I think that they're very limited as well in the number of run concepts that they run. Uh, Jeff Scott was their receivers coach, but he was also, quote unquote, their run game coordinator. And I always thought that was kind of a, like a, I'll say a fake title. That's not right, but like one of those, like, okay, yeah, the receivers coach is the run game coordinator. Since he's been gone, I think they're a little bit less diverse in what they do in the run game. And I think it's made them more predictable with the run. Now, the run game is still much better for them than the pass game has been this year. They are literally outside the top 100 in all six passing categories that we track. So that's bright red on my screen. The wide receivers also don't love blocking for each other. No, they don't. Pl- they're not playing as a team, man. Something's going on there. You watch uh, the, literally the first note that I took from the pit game is, uh, whew, they really don't love blocking for each other. Eleven in particular, and then you, and then you go back and you watch the Syracuse game, and the same thing presents itself in the first five minutes of the game. I mean, it is uh, it, it's it's not a one off. Uh, they they uh, there's some some focus and and buy-in issues at least when it comes to you know being the teammate that uh they've had at some of those wide receiver positions in the past uh, i think that's really fair to note to, like it doesn't seem i don't know man i really don't want to be the guy that makes like this team plays hard or doesn't play hard judgments about a team that i don't cover every week but watch clemson's defense up until the point where they realize the offense is not going to do anything and then watch Clemson's offense. And just the level of intensity and execution is it just looks like it's it's different. Again, I was in school when they had Jeff Bowden and a bunch of the, the level of recruited talent on offense and defense was basically the same when I was there. But the defense would play its butt off and the offense would just it didn't seem like they were together. It was kind of grab baggish. Uh they they weren't super physical. They didn't seem to play for each other in a lot of games. Um, man, I, I'm... I, I would... It wouldn't shock me if Clemson had to make some changes to that coaching staff after this year on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not talking about like firing Tony Elliott, but like I think offensive line-wise, they have had some, some injuries, but the way Clemson recruits, they should be able to survive some of these injuries, I think, a little bit more. So Bockhorst and Pennington have been out. They are getting Hunter Rayburn back this week. We'll see how he folds into the lineup. Uh, they have been actually, relative to their schedule, pretty good at not allowing havoc. Right? They're actually 26th in havoc rate allowed this year, which surprised me. Right? Um, however, they don't get a ton of movement in the run game, and. They're one of these things, like, I, I don't know, man. It, I, I thought their pressure rate and their sack rate stuff would look even worse because it does feel like there's a lot of chaos around DJ. They're not that bad at pass protecting. So to me, like, they're not creating explosive runs largely because the, the O-line is not just creating wide open holes for these guys to hit at full speed. The pass problems are more, I think, on the receivers and on DJ, right? He has not, I think he's kind of regressed a little bit since last year, to be honest. Uh, it seems like he's know, rifling the ball a little bit more than he did last year. He also clearly, like, who is the guy he trusts here other than Ross? If you found him, tell me. He also doesn't, um, not that he doesn't deal with pressure real well, but he doesn't become a scrambler. He almost becomes kind of a big target. He just kind of protects himself. He's not hes not one of these quarterbacks that you've almost got to be careful about putting pressure on because he'll you know, pull it down and, and turn into the athlete that we ultimately know that that kid is. But I've been surprised. He, he more just kind of covers and, and turns into a large, large target behind an offensive line that's found itself collapsing more than I would have imagined. The guy he reminds me of, honestly, is sort of like a Ben Roethlisberger, Dante Culpepper type. And I see a lot of that with this offense. Who is who is quicker than fast on Clemson? All these guys that I see on Clemson right now, except for one, I'm going to talk about him in a second, are faster than they are quick. They are momentum runners, right? If you let them get up to top speed, there's a good chance you're in trouble. I actually think DJ at top speed, relative to his size, is, is pretty damn fast. He is not a runner who has great acceleration. You know I mean, I think he is much better on design runs for the most part than he is on scrambles. And by design runs, I don't mean like zone read type stuff. I mean stuff like QB counter, 
QB sweep, like QB lead draw, things where there's no decision making. He can kind of start building it from the word go. He's a big body. He takes time to get going, just like a lot of these receivers do, where they're not actually all that quick. And I think Clemson's offense needs an infusion of quickness. We will see if they can get that this weekend. There is a kid that they have back there who flashed a little bit in that pit game. He obviously had had a missed touchdown. Uh, He had a couple other opportunities where he was to steal Jimbo's old phrase, almost out the gate. And and he does present some problems. We we, we had him very high. I think we had him as a five-star on 24-7 sports. If not, I mean, he was... uh, I'm pulling him up here just to make sure I accurately represent our rankings, uh, but we we had him pretty damn high because the kid was was very talented. We, so we we had him as the number four running back in the country, a, a ninety six overall rating, a guy who catches the ball well, and that's Will Shipley. But he is a true freshman, obviously, out of North Carolina. Um, he's somebody who I think they will try to get isolated on an Amari Gainer or a Lundy. You hope to God you can keep Deloach on him if possible. That's not always uh, a possibility. If I'm Clemson, I am trying to like do a lot more designed runs with DJ, and I want to do more play action off design runs with DJ. DJ is not an explosive runner, but his success rate running the football has actually been very high this year. Uh, it's been over fifty percent, I think, in all their games but one, and that was the Georgia game, if I recall my charting. Uh, I think that's a r- great way to even up the run game against this. Florida State defensive front, which has been pretty damn good against the run, and then see if you can hit some play-action stuff off that. that. But Shipley in space does scare me a little bit. Like He's he's the guy who's quick. Yeah, it's concerning. I mean, Lundy, Lundy versus Shipley is a very dangerous matchup. Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, we'll have to see how you use Lundy in general. This is not the the Lundy game. Uh, you know, and this is again something we could have talked about from the beginning of the year. It did talk about in the beginning of the year. So, do you play more nickel here because uh, of Clemson not really having a tight end they love and 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 Shipley being more fast than than, than physical? I think you have to. I think with the emergence of Knowles and, and Robinson finding himself uh, more comfortable at the safety position, that uh, you know you can you can do some things that doesn't necessarily leave you too vulnerable uh, to some of the some of the other ways that you've seen t- teams counter that when you've done that. So uh, I would expect that. You want to throw a jinx on Clemson? Please, as many as possible. Do you know who the new number one team in the country is at, at uh, red zone turnover rate? <laughs> is it them? It is. All right. It is. Yes. Yeah, it, it is. Inside the 10 turnover rate. Zero percent so far will be the year that uh, everyone reminds themselves of uh, not the Jacksonville State loss, but uh, the way in which Florida State uh, took the number one away from everybody. So, yeah, here's here's for a nice red zone turnover here in this game as well. Uh, You you go you go more zone here, you go more man. I, I still don't trust you to play a whole lot of zone. I mean, I know the I know the defense has made some nice strides in the last week or two, and uh, there's been some things out there. But uh, the most maddening stuff that I've seen from this defense is is when it's tried to play zone and not necessarily been comfortable with it. So maybe you've been able to install it in the bye, and and maybe you're able to like we sometimes say, wink, wink, nod, nod. You know, hey guys, here's something that we can look at that both UMass and Clemson do this week, uh, and and have some luck there. But I would be hesitant to fall back on too much. So, I think I agree with you there. Um, and my issue is that if if you play some of that one robber stuff and you're protecting middle of the field, okay, you're you know, you're trying to safeguard against some of the post route stuff. But one thing Clemson I think can do a little bit is is throw jump balls to the outside and and Florida State's corners this year. Have have not been good, except in practice, of course, uh, at at winning those one on one ball opportunities. Notre Dame hit jump balls on them all day, and I know that was six weeks ago. But uh, Wake Forest also had success doing that before they kind of packed it in, and Louisville had uh, some success doing that. I I I don't know. I have a couple thoughts on, and my thoughts are mixed on this. So maybe the game plan is mixed, or maybe I'm missing something. On the one hand, I don't trust this Clemson offense to consistently execute on 8, 10, 12-play drives, personally. I think FSU's defensive line is good enough to knock them off their track, get them behind the chains, etc. On the other hand, uh, 
Toby Pace, who, if you guys follow recruiting, used to be Kobe Pryor before he changed his last name, uh, was, I think, their most experienced back. And he is out with COVID stuff. As of right now, that's the only guy that I know of who is actually out with COVID protocol stuff. Um, But one thing that comes to mind is that leaves Will Shipley and Maffa as their running backs for the Tigers. Now, those guys have great ability as, as runners, but what about pass protectors? What about blitz pickup? Do you think without pace in there that FSU can have greater success bringing the blitz? And is that a risk that that you know Adam Fuller is feels like like is worth taking? I don't know. It's an interesting thought. I I, I just was going over their personnel. I was like, damn, you got true freshmen on true freshmen here uh, doing their pass protection. That's It'll be interesting. It's an interesting thought. I've never been uh, necessarily blown away by some of the blitz scheme that we've drawn up over the past two years either. So, uh, you know, maybe there's some wrinkles that they have yet to show, uh, but that's not, you know, if there is an Adam Fuller highlight tape out there somewhere, I'm not sure that it's rich with, uh, with you know, wonderfully well-designed blitzes or at least past blitzes. Uh, one thing that, that is wonderfully well-designed and we're fortunate to be able to work with are the good people at Congruity. Uh, Matt Lewis, nothing but an asset for us and would be nothing but an asset, in our opinion, anyway, for you and your business, uh, whether it be issues involving uh, payroll, HR, or any of the uh, just things that present itself, challenges that present itself to a business. We'd encourage you to reach out to Matt, see if there would be as, uh, as good of a partner of a pairing with you as there has been for us and uh, five of our other listeners have mentioned the uh, complications that can arise when you don't have a great partner. Uh, with payroll, and I can assure you that Congruity is that. Uh, reach out to them via the web, congruityhr.com, or if you want to reach out to me, I'd be happy to put you in touch with Matt Lewis. Again, congruityhr.com, or if you want to reach out to him via email, Knowles at congruityhr.com. How much do you worry about crossing routes here if you go Superman? I, obviously, we, we remember you know, Syracuse hit some of those. Um, North Carolina hit some, and, and quite frankly, probably should have hit more. Uh, that's a worry I have. I will say that that teams have played Clemson man-to-man uh, quite a bit this year. Now, I have a hard time figuring out, like, is that because that's what those teams do? Like, Pitt is a very heavy man coverage and quarters team, and Georgia obviously has the guys to play man-to-man uh, if it wants to on most everybody out there. Uh, Georgia Tech's the team that's going to play some man. Syracuse, they kind of mix it. NC State's more of a zone team, typically. Uh, that's, I guess, a worry of mine. Uh, but, you know, I think it's probably probably worth it uh, to try to do it. And what we said early, DJ, DJ is more kind of throwing, uh, almost darting the ball to people at times. And uh, you got to give him something in theory, you know, and uh, maybe you make him prove that and see if maybe you don't hit a crosser where he throws the ball too hard and you luck yourself into an interception or something like that. I mean, uh, I really am interested in the uh, psychological component of what a kid looks like. Uh, Obviously he got pulled last game and we haven't talked a whole lot about what the replacement would be, but a guy who's, in all likelihood, knows there's so many screw-ups left before he loses this uh, position, and perhaps for good. Um, and what it's like in front of that fan base, and yeah, you know, maybe you even even a crossing route. That's certainly not a a dangerous route, but you you make the quarterback prove that he can beat you before you start to adjust accordingly. I would agree with that. Um, a couple other things I was looking over here before before we wrap tonight. You know, Clemson is 110th in average depth of target against, meaning that teams are not challenging them deep. I know we talked about going max protect and having your passes be more of those, you know, kind of screen or shot play. That's all I want to see. I don't want to see Jordan Travis dropping back without play action, without shot play type stuff here. I, I, Pitt is one of the first teams that really threw deep on them. I know NC State hit a deep ball. Georgia just didn't throw the ball deep at all. Syracuse hit Syracuse hit one, but it was kind of a seam ball, if I recall. Um, and I don't really remember what Georgia Tech did as far as hitting them deep. But I don't know, man. Like, I know FSU does not have good receivers this year. But I think you got to test it. 
And if you throw a pick, at least it's a deep pick, right? It, it don't don't I don't know, don't don't try to get cute with with, with some of the intermediate pass game stuff in this game in this environment. And I, I don't think they will. Anything else you want to touch on before we move to the the preview section here, bud? Uh, their kicker's pretty good so far this year. Thirteenth um, in field goal value. Uh, they don't return punts very well. Their punter's okay. Their their kickoffs are, I think, one hundred percent touchbacks so far on the year, or you know, ball stopped inside. Uh, FSU so far has been excellent punting the football this this year. That needs to continue. FSU's field goal team has been okay, uh, not great, but not not terrible. Um, kickoff game for FSU, both return and kickoff, have been pretty bad. Just fair catch the damn ball and and don't allow any kind of crazy returns. I, I would say are are the keys there. Like this is not the game to try and invent stuff like that. I don't think. I think it's a winnable game. You go predictions. Let's do it, man. I'm going Clemson thirty, FSU twenty. Uh, this is the second worst defense that Clemson has faced this year, second only to Boston College. If I'm Clemson, I'm going all in on DJ running the ball on design runs and trying to throw play action off of that. And having watched the Notre Dame game, I'm going to try to throw some jump balls to, the, to those Redwoods I got on the outside. And my suspicion is they will come down with enough of them. I also do not trust FSU's offense, given the current offensive line and receivers who are in there, to not give at least one or two short fields to the Tigers. So I'll go Clemson 30, FSU 20. Um, a lot of this stuff sounds really good in theory, but if you can't block them, then 20 points for you is a pretty Herculean effort. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. This is a big moment for Adam Fuller, right? Like if Clemson gets right against this defense, I think you need to be looking for a new defense coordinator next year. If you go up there and you, you know, you hold those guys 13 points and you make a, make an offense so far this year, uh, it's not been terrible if you adjust for opponent, but certainly has not been good. Uh, if you make them continue to look how they've looked in recent weeks, then maybe I'll buy into the idea you're making real defensive improvement as opposed to just some of the teams you played recently. If Dylan Gibbons is starting, I'll take Florida State 24 to 21. If he's not, I'll take Clemson 24 to 21. I think it's a fairly close game. I think it falls in that area. Uh, if I if I knew that Gibbons was there and he could go, I would pick Florida State with a little bit of my my chest into it. Uh, I think it'll be a very close game. I think it'll be a game where you're nervous about a kick at some point. And uh, again, if I see Givens in there, put me down as predicted a victory. I will be betting some derivatives in this as well. Like I, I, I didn't bet either side. I bet the over when it came out at 46. Um, obviously, I don't love that quite as much if, if Gibbons doesn't go. I think Clemson's team total is potentially live to be bet under here. Like, if you want to bet against Clemson in this game, it's probably Clemson team total under 28, under 27 and a half, right? Uh, I also think, I mean, if FSU is going to win this game, they could come out successfully and punch them in the mouth early. So, you know, I mean, I'm not going to, not going to bet this live on air, but go think about what DraftKings has for alternate lines or like alternate first half lines, if, if you're in a state that allows that kind of stuff. Um, you know, for instance, this is actually not a uh, not not a bad example here. So South Florida, East Carolina, similar spread, similar over under to what Florida State has in this game, right? You know, alternate first half total. You can get something where the dog uh, is is winning the game. Right, uh, in the first half, at like plus two hundred. It's not crazy to me to think FSU has a lead at halftime, right? Do I think it'll happen? Eh, we'll see. But I mean, there are. I think there's a wide variance band in here because of the fact that maybe not a wide variance band in terms of score, but in terms of potential outcomes, because you have had two teams that have had very different games at times this year. Florida State's defense has looked like trash at times, and other games it has looked better. You know, they have had very good efforts recently. We also can't ignore that UNC had a lot of guys wide open and drop balls, and that's that's a different narrative of that game 
if the things that were out of your control, like UNC catching the ball, go differently against you, right? Uh, you control what you can control, which is covering guys. And they found ways to get guys open and they dropped the ball or missed them. Those are things kind of out of your control. But I, like, I think FSU can win this game. I'm just not picking them to win this game because ultimately, can you block Clemson? And will your DBs play well against those guys? Yeah. And how much can Clemson not block you? I mean, yes, Fabian Lovett, right. go out there and make yourself some more money. Ed, what, Jermaine what Johnson. What we, we wanted to call this? The... Uh, the April soundtrack or whatever it is. I mean, go out there and put two or three more plays that you're going to hear playing to some B-roll music in April as you get drafted. Well, like you said, that's the way FSU wins this game, right? Is if if you go out there and you whip Clemson's offensive line. Kirk Herbstreit's saying, hey, Clemson's got to make a, tr- a change at strength coach. Clemson's got to make a change at offensive line coach after this game. That's probably because Jermaine Johnson and Lovett and Kier Thomas and those guys went up there and kicked their ass. And that's possible. There were some rumblings about 10 years ago that Clemson needed to strain, change their strength and conditioning coach. And Dabo said that that, that <laughs> he said that's just from the internet. And as far as I'm concerned, the internet's the devil's playground. And I thought that was one of the funnier things that Dabo's had to say. So when you said that, I was, I was taken back a decade. But anyway. I'm not going to say that. What I, am, <laughs> I was going to say something, but now I'm not going to say it. Uh, Dabo says a lot of stuff, man. And, uh, you know, the internet happens to archive a lot of stuff. The internet so. does save all but uh, the vast majority of it. We'll put it that way. 3.30, can't wait for it. We'll have an instant reaction for you Saturday night. Certainly appreciate the listen. Uh, guys, it's just great, and ladies, great to be able to do a podcast about a game like this uh, where we're eager about it and also is uh, uncertain to the fate. So five stars on uh Apple Podcasts or wherever you may find us. Like and subscribe on YouTube. All the good stuff. Enjoyed it as always. We'll be back in the near future. See y'all. This has been the Nolcast. The Nolcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith. Music by Judson Wright and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knowles.